Files, we got news, we got clips, what you really wanna know? Uh, entertaining guests, ain't no telling who you might see Entertaining guests, like it ain't telling who he might be You can say anything in your rap, if you really heat Like bada boom and bada bada bow and bada bada bean If you join the show, then you might run a little couple things Like how I'm trying to make this bar rhyme with positivity Like how I'm trying to say I'm unselfish with magnanimity This show might just change somebody's life with the possibility It's Wednesday night. Happy New Year and welcome back to Bright Side of the Hump. I want everyone to take a deep breath in and repeat after me. 2023 is going to be my year. We're going to help you get on that glide to the first weekend in 2023 by peeking at the bright side of everything. Tonight's show is special as we welcome a bright and rising member of the basketball coaching community. Coach Oriana Curry of River Rouge High School will join us in a moment. But first, I urge you to get your 2023 charitable giving off to a good start with Crisis Text Line. They provide instant support via text to people who are in mental health crises. When a person is caught in a moment of crisis, they can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741 and be instantly linked to a crisis text line responder who will work in a caring and human way to share mental health resources to the person in crisis. Crisis text line needs three types of support. First, they need volunteers to be on the other end of those texts. They will give you 30 hours of free training so you can be prepared to help in a professional and caring way. Second, They need money, don't we all? They'll accept all donations, big and small, in just about every way you want to give it to them. Venmo, PayPal, credit card, even crypto, if your crypto's worth anything. And then third, they need people to get the word out. Please share crisistextline.org on your social media to let folks know that resource is available to them. All the information you need to help is right on that website, crisistextline.org, and you can go to the webpage for Bright Side of the Hump podcast and click on the donate link, which takes you directly to that site where you can get all the details on how you can help. We are so fortunate tonight to have Coach Oriana Curry joining us. She's the boys' junior varsity head coach and varsity assistant coach at River Rouge High School currently ranked 27th in the state. She's also an exceptional high school mathematics teacher at River Rouge, and none of that is a surprise to her high school principal when asked for a quote even 10 years later said, she's amazing. She's one of five or six kids who completely turned our school around through her leadership. After a successful basketball career at Crestwood High School in Dearborn, Michigan, Coach Curry went on to Albion College, where she scored over 1,000 points in her career and earned first-team All-MIAA conference honors. In addition, she led her team to a school record 108 points in a game. She finished eighth all-time in scoring at Albion College and had the fifth-highest single-scoring season in the history of Britain's women basketball. She has coached girls' varsity basketball at her alma mater 
and has now been with River Rouge Boys program for two seasons, including last season when they reached as high as 12th in the state. Without further ado, please welcome Coach Oriana Curry to Bright Side of the Hump. Happy New Year, Coach. Happy New Year. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited and uh, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Coach, tell me how your journey in basketball began and was hoops always your favorite sport? So I'm going to answer the second one first. No, I used to love like kickball until I found out you couldn't play kickball in like high school. And <laughs> so <laughs> we played like kickball in the yard and I thought I was going to be like a pro kickball player, but you can't do that. So basketball became my second. My journey really began um, much earlier than when I first officially started playing. So I would watch my cousins and my brother play outside street basketball. I um, grew up like Warren and Trumbull area um, in an apartment complex or townhouse complex, the Freedoms. And we'd walk down the street really close to Wayne State and we'd play. They'd play and I'd watch. And one day they kind of just were like, you want to play? We we ain't have we don't have anybody. So I played and that's when I really started liking it. And then I got on a team in seventh grade and I just wasn't good enough. But I was on the team because I had a little bit of something. And my dad's like, hey, if you're going to do this, you're going to be good at it. So he forced me to like do I asked him for a hoop for like a years, not even a year, years. And he didn't buy a hoop. He like make me dribble in the driveway with a basketball and tennis balls and be like, that's all you need. So <laughs> that's kind of like the beginning of it. Um, but yeah, that was, that's like the, how I started. I don't know how that made me love it, but that kind of made me love it there. You had to earn it. He wasn't going to invest in a basketball hoop. So you could make, you could make sure you did the little oh, things. No, right. no basketball hoop. He would take me to the gym with my like, um, older cousins. And then some people, you know, that he knew that were like way bigger, way faster, way stronger. It'd be like, you're fine. I'm like, okay, dad, like, <laughs> this is not my idea of hooping in the driveway, but okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, what were some of the high points in your high school basketball career at Crestwood? So high points, um, my senior year, we won the first district championship in school history. So for some people, district championships, like it's like the lowest of the lowest championship, right? It's like you get out. That's the first one you get when you get out, but we had never gotten that far. So we won it my senior year. And that was like, I felt like a star. <laughs> I felt like, Oh my God, like this is amazing. So that was definitely a high point and just being able to lead my team there. And then, truly feeling that everyone on the team, including the coaching staff, just had trust and believed that like I could get us there and get it done. So that was great. That's amazing. Yeah. What uh, were some of the challenges? It's not all glory, right? Oh, no. So I would say my freshman year, I had to play JV. And I didn't want to. I mean, what kid wants to play JV, right? Ironically, I coach JV now, but <laughs> my freshman year, I had to play JV and I had to watch, you know, and I didn't, I believed that I was better and I should have played varsity. And then my sophomore year came and there was a senior point guard who was ahead of me and I didn't have a chance at starting. 
but I worked so hard that year that by, I want to say game 15 or 16, I did start. And I just, from there, I kind of just didn't look back. I'm like, I've worked so hard to be here. I got to keep going. So that was pretty sweet. I think basketball, those of us who, who, who were, who excelled at it a little bit. Yeah. Like, I think that's the thing. We, we definitely have confidence in ourselves and don't lack it. There's and no then way sitting on that, that you don't like, if you play, right. you have confidence in yourself. You, you bet. And then when you, yeah, I remember JV uh, freshman and sophomore year mm-hmm. and being, you know, disgruntled. Uh, like, oh my God. And it was probably the best thing that happened for me. Yeah. It's developmental. You know? It's good for you. It teaches you, you know, your foundation. Like there's a lot that goes into it. Absolutely. Uh, so you go on to Albion College uh, and scored over a thousand points there. I, I don't, that's tough to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like very tough to do. Not that many people do it. Uh, tell us about how you ended up at Albion and what that experience was like. So, initially, initially, I didn't know that I wanted to play college basketball. Like I just, I knew I was going to college because I had a 4.0 and like there, there was no way I wasn't going to go and, you know, study something and do something. But basketball became like, I want to play in college after I realized like, Hey, I'm not ready to just stop and, you know, in two years. And that was my junior year. And, um, we started the recruiting process, a lot of AAU games, a lot of high school games. And Albion just felt like the right fit, you know? And once I got there, it was a journey. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like, all right, you're on the court. You get to do whatever you want, have fun. It was a journey. So um, it felt like the right fit. So my family and I, we decided to, you know, believe and trust and go there and I mean, if I had to do it again, I'd still pick it and do the same thing. Honestly, it was just a great experience for me. That's awesome. Yeah. And would you say compare Albion to Albion to, uh, you know, uh, Trumbull and Warren or uh, <laughs> where you lived in, in Dearborn? Uh, very much so different. I think that all of my experiences have taught me to be able to adapt to any environment. Like, being on Trumbull, Trumbull and Warren, then moving to Dearborn, then going to Albion, it's like, there's not a person in this world I haven't met, I feel like. <laughs> so being able to, and now at River Rouge, you know, so it's it's crazy. Like all of the experiences that I've had have just made me able to adapt, made me able to conversate and, you know, play everywhere I went. So yeah, Albion was very different though. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> small town, right? Very it's small. not very big, is it? I mean, most yeah. of the town is the college. Um, when yeah. I first went there, they had a high school. And, you know, it was kind of like we uh, we did a lot of community service things. But now there's no longer Albion High School is closed down. And um, I would imagine it's even di- – I mean, it is different now than when I went there. But when I first went there, it was like I fell in love with the campus itself because I was like so lazy. I'm like, oh my God, I only have to walk like six minutes from my dorm to my first hour class, like my 8 a.m. class, I'm going. So, but yeah. 
it became way bigger than that. You know, there's like the connections I made in Albion, like helped me, you know, in River Rouge. And it's like, I never thought that that would, it would come down to that. That's awesome. Yeah. Before we talk about coaching, yeah. I have to share with everyone that you are not just a high school mathematics teacher, but an excellent high school mathematics teacher. Uh, I've observed you, um, the energy level you bring to the classroom, the way you are intentional and keep kids engaged. Tell us about how you decided to be a teacher. So, um, wow. That's that that one was tough for me. That's a tough question because I wouldn't say I just knew I wanted to be a teacher. There's no way. Like I don't think any teacher's like I woke up and I I'm going to be a teacher. So, yeah. I had the luxury, I'll call it a luxury of having a amazing principal. Like my freshman year of high school, this new guy comes into town. His name was Mr. Tafelski at the time. He's Dr. Tafelski now. And we kind of walked into school. Both of us are like eyeballs in the school. And we're like, hey, let's make this thing work. And he was a great leader. And he kind of showed me, you know, how to be a leader and how to be in an environment and get people to listen to you and go the right direction. So I wanted to be a principal. But now I don't want to do that anymore. But <laughs> I figured teaching would be the great, like a, the best start to a career being a principal. But now that I'm a teacher, like I don't think I can imagine doing anything else. And my teaching is kind of how I'm able to coach as well, because teaching has taught me to be able to have conversations with parents and children and connect with them and really meet them where they are and kind of build a foundation with them and go off of that. So I love it. I mean, I think that it's probably my chosen career. Am I going to do it forever? Who knows? But I definitely think that it's something that I really enjoy. And I don't think there's a teacher who doesn't enjoy teaching who teaches because there's no way you're going to do it if you don't like it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you do an exceptional job Thank watching you. Exemplary, exemplary. And the kids love you. And to me, that's the most important thing about teaching. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If they don't like you, it's hard to teach them. It's very hard to yes. teach them. In 2022, it is. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, I think gone are the days of the of the teacher that everybody's like, oh, I didn't really like him, but I respected him. And I like if they don't like you, uh, you're in trouble. Yeah, everything else is going to be difficult, too. You bet. Doesn't mean you like you're not you're not easy on the kids, though. Oh, no. I've observed that. Like you're tough. You demand. Mm -hmm. But uh, show them a lot of love, too. What things do you do? that help your kids be successful in the classroom? I feel like what things don't I do? <laughs> I, mean, uh, uh, I mean, you have to do everything. Like I donate a lot of my time and time. That's not just like, Hey, you know, Y equals MX plus B or two squared. It's, it's, it's constant communication with them. It's checking in on them. It's, given hugs. It's, it's meeting them where they are. So some of them 
math is a difficult subject and math was difficult for me. I just did well in it because my mom and dad weren't having it. Like So yeah. math was difficult for me. And I figured if I was going to teach a kid how to do something, it was going to be something hard. So I picked math because I knew that I was going to be able to reach them because it was so hard. And I want them to understand that, you know, once you get this, you, you can do so many things. And I try to build a good foundation with them because a lot of people would make the assumption like, oh, well, you should have learned this in this grade. You should have learned this in eighth grade. I don't do that ever. You know, like if it's something that I didn't teach them, I'll like blame myself. I'm like, I am so sorry. I didn't get to show you how to do this. But moving forward, let's do it this way. So just trying to build a foundation and have them trust and believe in that foundation and typically works. I mean, pretty good success rate right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's a key. Meet them where they are. Yeah. When did you know you wanted to be a coach? So that I never wanted to do. <laughs> I went my years of playing basketball and after, you know, I hung the shoes up, I was like, I am done. Like clap it up. Me and my friends were like, we're so happy. You you dedicate so much of your life to basketball once you really lock into it. So I was done. And then one of my friends, I played high school with her. She calls me and she's like, I, j I just need your help. And I'm like, what do you need my help with? And I do anything for her. Her name is Donna. I'm like, I'll do anything for you. She has me at her practice, like full on showing her guards how to beat a press and all this stuff. I'm like, ah, and I, at that point, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this again. So it was her kind of making me come back out and help the kids. And I went on to coach with her for a year and, and that was great. So really, it, it was my friend. She made me do it. She, she forced me to do it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Someday, uh, yep, Donna's going to be uh, an answer to a <laughs> trivia question at some point, I think. Uh, you made the transition from coaching high school basketball, uh, girls' high school basketball, uh -huh. to boys' high school basketball. Can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges of that? The many challenges of that. Hmm. Well, coaching girls was it wasn't as natural as I thought it would be. So when I first started coaching, I was just helping out a little bit. And then the following year, I kind of took on the head coaching role and my girls, they would run through a brick wall for me. They're just like, whatever you tell me to do coach, I'm going to do it. Right. And I love that about them. And that's kind of what made us work. What made us gel. We had like a, a, 15 win season, you know, at the JV level. And it was great, but it didn't feel as natural as I thought it should have. So I always did like training though. So training is something that I did like, um, at Albion, I would train with some of the boys, like they would do skill development and I would do it with them because it helped. And I kind of, enjoyed doing it. And I spent the summer just training kids. A lot of them were boys. So it felt more natural working with them. But when I started coaching boys, the struggles became, they weren't as reluctant 
to run through a brick wall for me. <laughs> like the girls were, the girls were like, I'm just going to do it because you're my coach and you got it. The boys were mm-hmm. like, no, nah, you asking too much of me. Like, I don't, you know, I'm six two and I can just tip the rebound up, grab it and go. Like, why do you want me to hit this kid when I can just jump over? Him? So the challenges were they were more, I'll say athletic and they thought more skilled, right? So the things that were hard work, hard nose, they weren't natural at doing. So it had the teaching part came teaching them how to do the hard work, hard nose things versus with the girls. I had to teach them the skill and the athletic part of it, but they were willing to do the whatever it took. I'm diving for a loose ball. Like there's some guys on my team that like, I'm like dive and they're like, huh? So we'd have to do like a full on diving drill because they don't want to get on the floor for the ball. So it's definitely pros and cons to both. And um, there's just so much to learn in the coaching field as is. Like, I don't think at any point I'm like mastered or I don't think anybody will, but pros and cons of both. And uh, biggest challenge being the way you communicate and the way you teach things with the two different genders, I say. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I could see that. Uh, what are you, what, what ingredients do you think it takes to be a successful coach? I think I'm still, um, I'm still like pulling things out of the cabinet for that. Like all different type of spices and it, it takes, all it takes is basically everything you got. <laughs> And Uh then some, and the biggest thing that I'm learning is from others around me. Like I love to be poured into, like, give me what you got to help me, you know? And, um, to be successful like that, the definition of success is just so, I think it's broad because the successes I find are much more in the characters that we've created from coaching than, you know, we won every game we played, you know, we outscored. It's just the characters that you build while doing that. The young men that you're creating or helping to, you know, it's a village helping to create and pour into. So it takes a lot. I mean, to do both is, I think you've mastered it all. If you can just do both, just, I win everything and I'm creating the best young men possible. But the, the, the success comes you get daily successes, I think, like, oh, a kid's doing something that you've never seen them do, or they're getting a B in math, and they've never got a B in math before, but they're locked in during basketball season, and you can keep pouring into them the whole year to get them where they need to be. The uh, I heard from an, you know, I don't know if this is apocryphal or <laughs> whether I've actually read a quote from an old coach that said, you know, like, it sounded cliche, but somebody asked him, you know, how is this group of seniors? And he said, I don't know. Ask me in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that. that's when we'll know whether we'll, anything that I did, whether it was worth it or not. Yeah. Because it isn't going to be in the wins and losses that we have this season. It's going to be in what kind of people they are in 10 years. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, that's excellent. How many hours a week? Do you think you put in to coaching during in the in season? In season, like 
I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm a math person, so I really want to give you the exact number. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> I would say minimum 15, max 20 in, a, in, in season. Because I say an, easily in, three hours a day, easily three hours a day. And that's just counting in person with the guys, right? We're not talking film and um, scouting, right? So easily 15, max 20. And some of it is pleasure too, right? Like I'll go watch another team play for scouting reasons, but I also want to see it. So, All right. (laughs) You're being generous there, I think. I think you're being very, very conservative. But that's in addition to teaching uh, a full day every day and lesson planning and, yeah. Yep. Yeah. What about the off season? How many hours do you think you put in in the off season? Off season, what off season? I'm gonna go with yeah. the same. I mean, there's no way the same. Like we're 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 working as many days as we can because, I mean, the guys they 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 love it. They do. They want to get better. And if you want to be good in in the win column part of it. You got to work in the off season. You're not going to be able to, you know, start in November and be okay. You got to start right when it's over with. So, off season, I'm going with more or less the same, fifteen to twenty, maybe even more, because <laughs> it doesn't right. stop. It's just an ongoing, you know, it's an ongoing phenomenon. You're just you're just working and you're going. Well, old machine. That's why it's good to have a lot of coaches who have your back and they know what you're going through too. So you're not in it alone. And I don't know if, if most people who listen to this know this, but it's not like you're getting paid <laughs> for all these hours, right? Like this is when it comes you know, down to it, it's like it's like pennies. Do you yeah. I mean, I don't even think you can count it. Yeah. It's just you're doing it because you're dedicated to the success of the young men who you're coaching young people and the people that you're working with. Like I want to see the coaches I coach with, you know, succeed. So to put in the time means to help them be in better predicaments as well. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, shifting back to something we, we kind of talked about a little bit, but what are some of the challenges that we face with getting young women involved in basketball and involved in coaching. So it's funny because when I told you earlier, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm like when I when I finished, I was done. And a lot of my friends are like the same. When they when they finish, they're done. They haven't started coaching, they haven't really <clears throat> gotten back into the game and I think it's because a lot of us realize how much it takes to be able to do it. And we're focused on other things. Like I just got engaged and, you know, I'm congratulations to get married and have kids. And that part of the game, you know, what part, where does the game fit in? You know, where does coaching <laughs> fit into being pregnant and getting married? It just doesn't. And it's crazy because you know, guys get married and have children too, but it, it just looks different. So it looks different. That is an understatement. <laughs> it is different. So 
a lot of people I know, women I know, they're like, I can't do it because it'll be so temporary, you know? Like, I'm only going to give it three or five years because I want to have kids. Or I've had my kids. I don't have time because I have kids. So that part of it, I just think that we as women provide so much perspective and with the game that it's something that we got to get involved in. And is it something I'm going to do forever again? I don't know, right? But I definitely think that my opinion and my, you know, I'm valued, you know, it's something that the guys, they look forward to having me there. My coaching staff loves, you know, greeting me and pouring into me. So it's hard. And I, I, I tell people all the time, especially ones I play with, like, you should go into coaching. You should coach. Just go help out your high school team, you know, just go, yeah. just help out and see what happens. So it's hard to get women into back into coaching, but I think that we need it for sure. Do you think have you and I've talked about this before a little bit right now, at least in our area, we're struggling to get young women, enough young women playing basketball oh, man. in general playing, right? It is crazy. So when I was in high school, we had a freshman JV and varsity team, right? Girls. Yeah. And that was like amazing. And, but everyone we played at the time had a freshman JV and varsity. But now there's teams struggling to have a JV. There's teams with eight people on the varsity roster. It's hard to get young women into the sport. And when we, when I played, it was, it was easier and there was more women doing it. But now things have just changed and, you know, the world, COVID, everything. Like people are just not as interested in playing the game anymore. So it it just, I just wish that there was a magic, you know, phrase or button or something that would be like, (laughs) get into it, do it. But I'm, I'm trying to touch the young lives that I have, you know, any type of involvement in like play sports, do this, do that. And hopefully it it spreads. Yeah. I have no doubt that it will. You got exactly that kind of charisma and character. To, to bring it along and make it move in the right direction. Speaking of that, who are some people you look up to and try to emulate? I have my sports people and then I have my people people. <laughs> yep. So my sports people, I'll definitely say like Dawn Staley. She's just, yeah. I mean, she just does things the way she wants to. <laughs> and she doesn't yeah. really care what anybody else thinks. You know, she's not at UConn where, you know, no, no offense to UConn or anything, but they've gotten the talent just years and yeah. years and years and years to come, you know? Unparalleled. She wasn't yeah. in that predicament. She kind of just went out on a limb and she's like, I'm going to do it this way and this is going to work. And if you play for me, you'll see. And now she's yeah. getting the, you know, girls are like going to play for Dawn State. So yep. I would say her in that world and – my parents in the real world, I feel like it's cliche to say my mom and dad, right? But my mom is this super strong woman who installed these core values into our family that, you know, me and my siblings were, my oldest sibling is, how old is he, 34? Yeah. 
And it's like, we just know, like, it's just, it's in us because of who she made us to be. So I just hope to be that mother. And then my dad is just, he's just a hard worker. And now as he's getting older, he's like now pouring back into the community. And it's just, it's good to watch because he struggled so much growing up that he's now in a predicament where he can help out young men, you know, to not be a certain way and to get them on the right track. So definitely my parents, there's some, there's some powerful people. They, they have, amazing. they have a great influence on me. Definitely. That's wonderful. You want to give a shout out their names? Yeah. Sean and Kevin, the Claytons. Yeah. The Claytons. The Clayton. That's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. And what 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 do you think are the big values? You, you mentioned your mom instilling values. What do you think are the main ones? Your dad's bringing hard work to the table. What's your mom? Uh, what did she make sure you knew it took? Like, there's this thing. It's called you don't go against the grain. Okay, so the grain, you you know, everyone knows that saying. But the mm-hmm. grain is like it's us. Like we're this rock. Like you don't go against the grain. Like no matter what. You're in this family. We're together. We're going to stick it out. We're going to figure it out. So I, I use that every day, like in my classroom, like my students fully believe that like we're a family. You don't go against the grain. I'm in the wrong, you know, and on the court, my, my team, I try to instill that in them too. So that's a big one. That's like the number one thing. Me and my siblings, as we're getting older, we're just so close that we're, we, we contact each other like every day and we're constantly, you know, checking on each other's kids and things like that. And that's just, that's just my mom there. That's just her in her best form. That's amazing. Yeah. So now unexpectedly, uh, I've got another question for you. That's fine. What, what, uh, tell me about this engagement. What's going on? Tell so, me all the deets. All the deets. We went on vacation for my dad's 50th birthday, um, the week of November 26th. And apparently everybody knew but me that it was going to happen. <laughs> so we get on vacation and uh, we go on a cruise. So I don't know if you've ever been, but on a cruise, it's like that first day is just hectic. You know, everyone's running around everywhere mm-hmm. trying to find all the cool stuff, whatever. So the next day, we um we go to a nice restaurant and on this cruise it's my mom, my dad, my sisters, my nephew, his mom, his sister, and we all were at this nice long fancy dinner and um you know just conversating, taking pictures. It, it was a great night. And later I find out that it was supposed to happen at that fancy table, but it didn't happen. So <laughs> we leave the restaurant. And my mom's like, hey, let's take a picture. Let's take a picture. So we all like line up to take this picture. And I like turn around and he's like on his on his knee. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you're proposing. So it happened just like that. Like right right outside of the restaurant. It was it was beautiful, though. It was long, long, long waited. I'll say long waited. And um, we've started the journey of checking out venues and trying to pick a date and all that fun stuff so we're excited oh that's amazing we're, do you have a general idea of when when this big day is coming i'm thinking summer 2024 nice we need some time to plan it 
weddings yeah. are expensive, you know. So <laughs> summer twenty four are. is the plan. That's awesome. You want to tell us who your fiance is? Yeah, so his name is Clarence. He is probably one of the best guys I know. I did mention my dad earlier, so um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is we've known each other for how what year is it? It's twenty twenty three. For about 11 years, we've dated for 10. So we were young. We were in high school. I was 17. He was 16. And uh, we, we kind of figured out a way to make it work this long. So I think it's about time we, we get married and have some kids. So That's great. Also, Keep a good thing going. He's also in the, um, he's in the media world. He's a photographer. He works for videographer as well. He works for Athlazon, but he does a lot of private stuff too. Athlazon is a big time um, local sports um, yeah. media outlet where they, they record a lot of our games, a lot of big time games. They put a lot of good stuff out for the athletes. It's it's great because well, I didn't have that. You know, when I played, I didn't no. have that. You, didn't, you know, no. there was the guy who worked for the, uh, I never forget, the free press. Dearborn Heights Free Press. He had his camera. The lens was smaller than my, like, yeah. it was small. He took a couple pictures and he left, right? Yeah. Now there's like eight or nine photographers, huge lenses, oh, spotlight, yeah. all that. So he, um, he does videography and things like that. And uh, the guys, they love him because... Obviously, because he does that, but they also like they, <laughs> they, also, like, they like seeing the playback. Yeah, they also like him as a person too. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That has to be so exciting. What a you know. Yeah, absolutely. That made the holidays something special. Absolutely, it was. Uh, it's amazing. It's still surreal because I'm like not a jewelry wearer at all. Like I don't wear rings. So, <laughs> like I've already forgot to put it on like two days, and he's just like. <laughs> like what are you doing i'm like i forgot i'm sorry and you know i get my nails done like five times a year so it's like, <laughs> he's yeah I'm like you're gonna have to I, I'm, yeah. I'm you don't want to hurt his feelings i'm stepping my game up because i love the ring and i like wearing it so i'm stepping my game up in terms of getting my nails done that's what i'm working on <laughs> very good yeah i love it yeah well, listen, I appreciate you taking the time with me. You got a lot of insight, and uh, we're looking forward to, to hearing and seeing big things from you. I hope so, too. Road. I hope so, too. You should come check out my JV boys soon. Absolutely. All right. Going to do it. See you soon. Man, Coach Curry was a joy to have as a guest, and you should definitely remember her name because she's going to be going places in the coaching profession in the next couple decades. Once again, I thank you all for joining us to kick off 2023. And if you have suggestions for topics or guests, please email me at brightsidemets at gmail.com. That's the word bright, the word side, and M-E-T-Z at gmail.com. I'm always interested in talking to people who have stories to tell and talents to share. Stay positive and keep looking for the bright side of things. If you dig it, do it. And if you really dig it, do it twice. <laughs> <laughs>